I've been late again. More, in fact, than usual. I was supposed to release episodes in the last two weeks, but lateness kept accumulating with both the writing and the recording. And I'm not doing great right now to begin with. So I decided to be kind to myself, to be lenient with myself. It's okay if I don't do all the things I had to do. It's okay if I do things a bit differently today. At least I hope it's okay with you. I decided that it was going to be okay with me because that's what I need right now. And, well, it should be okay because it sort of fits the circumstance. You'll see. If it's a time for celebration for you, happy whatever you're celebrating to you. If it's not, happy normal day to you. These are strange times for all of us and it doesn't require a special occasion to wish people happiness. That's what I try to do every week by talking about things I like. Wish happiness, share happiness and hope that what I do makes you happy too. So that's why today I want to talk about the things that I discovered this year which made me the happiest. My favorite cultural objects of 2020 which I didn't know about before this year and perhaps some even which didn't exist before 2020 at least part of it. Start with music and I have to say I listen to a lot of music and a lot of different genres of music I've listened to. Uh, I, I won't even start trying to describe what I've listened to this year because it would take too long and so I have a few new bands that I really, really love. There's Dream State that I discovered randomly. Maybe I started listening to it last year a little bit, but I really started liking it this year. Spirit Box, of course, Vola and Port Noir, Brutus, but I'll probably be talking about all of these bands at some point in the future if I manage to keep doing this in the future hopefully and uh, my most loved artist the artist that I liked the most was Bent Knee I discovered it in April I think and since then it's been a total crush I had a crush on this band and especially the, uh, the album Shiny Eyed Babies it's such a perfect blend of rock and jazz and 
progressive elements and classical all the all the musicians are so talented they are so creative with their instruments and the singer is her voice is just beautiful especially on songs like in god we trust or battle creek battle creek is my favorite song from this band hands on and yeah the there's such emotion transpiring from these songs which helps since the themes are so intense as well in gold we trust is about uh it's called that because of uh the fact that it's written on the dollar bill and it's about yeah the dependency we have towards money in general and and battle creek is about the the dangers the violence of war the uselessness of war the absurdity of war as well in such a desolate and desperate sounding song about the consequences the toll on human life that war can have and yeah it's one of possibly one of the best songs ever written period <laughs> and oh and there's also this thing about bentney that it has a little sister which is justice cow the band of the bass player who is the who takes a leading role when Bentney is more Ben Levin, the guitarist, and Courtney, I forget her family name, um, who are the lead of the band. Justice Cow is the side project of bassist Jessica, I don't recall her family name either, even though Ben Levin and the drummer are also part of that band. It's pretty interesting actually this idea it's kind of like a um a collective you know like like massive attack and tricky and all the other bands at the in the early 90s which created the trip hop sound uh there's this thing in uh, in new york as well with bent knee and justice cow and they're also linked to sun gazer with Adam Neely, the bass player, who's also in Aberdeen. It's I discovered all these bands basically because I watch Adam Neely's videos on YouTube. They really helped um, with the confinement and everything. And I discovered that Ben Levin, the guitarist of Benton, he also has a, a YouTube presence, which is extremely creative and fun as well. So um, it was all this together the whole context and and almost like a shared universe that i really enjoyed in addition to the music being very complex and varied and fun and and emotionally charged in all the best ways so there that's that's my my musical coup de coeur let's say of 2020 bent knee and Justice Cow, and most of all, 
the song Battle Creek. Now let's move on to movies. I realized I haven't talked about movies or TV shows or visual audiovisual media uh, so far in this podcast. I I am more comfortable talking about comics or novels or genres of literature and music because those are the things I consume the most and to be honest I at first I kind of struggled to find a favorite discovery of 2020 because I don't watch that many movies as a matter of fact I do watch some from time to time, but I've actually been watching more movies this year than any other year in, the, say, than the last 10 years, because my girlfriend makes me watch a lot of movies because she likes watching movies, and so it's it's been a much more frequent occurrence. And for TV shows... There's been a time where I listened, where I watched a lot of TV shows, but this year hasn't been one of them, and I've only watched a couple which I already knew about, and maybe one or two new ones which were very short and not very good. But there is one movie that I have seen pretty recently, actually, and that was really intense and interesting and. I I loved it. It's called The Translators. The original title is Les Traducteurs because it's a, a French movie and it's about this really popular um, crime series, I think, or a thriller or something. And it's a trilogy. And the last book is so popular that the publisher gathers all the translators in a bunker to translate the book and it's all top secret and everything they don't have the internet so they can't log on to the internet to talk about the book to their friends or to so it's to avoid any leaks but there actually is a leak of the 10 first pages with a ransom demand and if he doesn't pay the ransom if the, if the publisher doesn't pay the ransom uh the person who has leaked will leak more pages and threatens to leak the whole book at some point. Which is... Uh, well, it's... Obviously, since I like literature, I responded well to... And since I have done studies in publishing and translation, and and it's also my field of work, uh, I, I was responding... Uh, positively to it with that aspect but the whole thing is perfect it's so well written so well thought there are a lot of twists and turns but when you look back on it it's never artificial or there's never wait that actually doesn't work that doesn't make sense why are they doing this all the threads are so well connected it's so well thought of the people who wrote it are 
crazy good, and the actors are also amazing. And side note here, I just learned today that I am exactly one day older than the actor who plays the English translator. I'm not saying anything more about this movie other than that it is an extraordinary movie and you should totally watch it. So let's move on to books and my personal motto is comics are books too but as a matter of fact I'm going to use this as an excuse to talk about both one non-visual uh, book and one... well no, that doesn't mean anything, all books are visuals but um, one uh, non-graphic book and one graphic yeah, let's put it that way because uh, I want to promote, you know, graphic literature because it's such a huge part of my cultural background. I read a lot of comic books and bondesines and manga. As a matter of fact, I've read at least ten times more comics total than other books combined. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but let's start with the non-graphic book. And when I say non-graphic, I mean in terms of form, because it is a bit graphic in content. It's uh, a half discovery, because I already knew the author from the sellout, so I kind of knew what to expect, it, but not exactly, because I didn't expect it to be so hardcore with Paul Beatty's first novel, The White Boy Shuffle. It's... Um, Paul Beatty, I think it's Beatty, I thought it was Beatty because of the spelling B-E-A-T-T-Y, but I've seen an interview when he's called Beatty, so I'm going to go with that pronunciation. I don't want to go into it too much because I really want to talk about him. I really want to dedicate a whole episode to this author because his books are well, mind-blowing. What I am going to say is that it was a discovery more in terms of political insight than in terms of literary discovery because I knew what to expect more or less from this author even though I had my mind blown at every page by the incisive criticism of the uh, politics of being an African-American in California in the 90s. Let's put it that way. And I read it exactly at the right time too. And at uh, the time of the Black Lives Matters movement exploding in the media, not that the, it was the beginning of the movement, far from that, I am aware that it has existed for many years now. But, yeah, 
reading this book made parallels between the situation then and the situation now, thinking that the book was written in 1998 and describing events from 1991-1992 and the issues described then are still present now, 20 to 30 years ago, uh, 30 years later, it's, yeah, it, I had my mind blown, not necessarily in a good way, sometimes in a good way, but at this, in, in that context of things haven't progressed nearly enough, no, not really in a good way, but yeah, it was a uh, I'm not going to say lovely because it's not exactly the right kind of thing he was going for, I think. But yeah, extraordinary uh, book. So well written, so funny somehow. And this very dark humor, kind of. But yeah, one I really recommend both for the quality uh, as a novel, as a uh, as a, the story of the character, and and for the for the themes, the social and political and cultural themes, which are necessary to understand and to delve deeper into right now or always actually and I'm going to finish with one of the best comic books I've read ever it's I've had a few coup de coeur in comics this year there was Are You Listening by Tilly Walden which is a very sweet road trip graphic novel and there was uh, The Weatherman, of which I'm highly awaiting the last arc, which hopefully will be coming in 2021. A very exciting sci-fi thriller about, yes, about a weatherman. Crazy as it may sound. And the twist at the end of the second book makes me await the third even more. I'm not revealing anything, but I highly encourage you to check it out. But the book I really want to talk about today is Middle West, by a team that you might be um, familiar with. It's Scotty Young and George Corona and Jean-François Beaulieu, which is basically the same team as I Hate Fairyland, which I mentioned very recently, except with the addition of an artist, not because Scott Young can't draw, but because his style, which is, uh, which can be seen on I Hate Fairyland, is completely different from the story being told in Middle West and wouldn't fit as well as George Corona's did. And I've read a few other things by, well, by all of them. I've read a lot of comics colored by Beaulieu and I, I've read uh, Feathers by
by George Corona, and I've read, well, I Hate Fairyland and Billy Wars by, uh, by Scotty Young, and I can sincerely say that from what I've seen, all of them did their most, their best job, basically, their most beautiful, be it in storytelling or in art, the, uh, the story is the the story of this kid whose father turns into a literal storm when he gets mad, so he runs away from home, and he tries to understand this power that he has, because he has the same power of turning into a storm, and he tries to understand it and to control it and to stop it because it before it takes over him and. He makes friends along the way. He's helped with by a snarky fox and a very smart and capable young girl called Bobby. And so this story is so heartbreaking. It's so moving. The whole story of family, of yeah, family abuse, as well as uh, friendship and help, and mental help. It is so moving and so strengthened by the fact that the art is just stellar. It's so emotional, and the colors are... I have rarely seen such masterful colors. Coda is the only other example that comes to mind of colors so spellbinding that you just you can't look away. They're just wonderful, sometimes very realistic, sometimes a bit magical, and it fits totally with the fantastical universe of the story and the emotional strength and intensity in what it wants to communicate. Just looking over the the few pages to to find uh, what I was looking for. It I keep thinking, oh this page is so beautiful and every single page is amazing. Every single page is so well, well paced, well constructed, and just well drawn. I'm not the best um, person to talk about it, I know, because I am terrible at drawing. But I'm starting to learn to see what works and what doesn't, and I think I have a pretty... Um, I think I'm starting to have a, a good sense of what works and of aesthetics and and while there are things that I like and things that I don't like but I think most people would agree with me on the fact that Middle West is just a beautiful beautiful book both in terms again of themes as of construction and Right now, I realize I haven't talked enough about Scotty Young's storytelling, which 
is way stronger than I hate Fairyland, and that's saying something because I hate Fairyland is already very solid storytelling, but this story is tight and there's humor, but just at the right spots to not to add levity to the story, but because it fits the the, the characters and it's uh, humor in the situation that shows that these characters care for each other and and uh, and they communicate it with humor and with snark and with uh, kind jokes that's how I'm going to put it I think it's not as they're not as mean to each other as uh, Larry and Gertrude in I Hate Fairyland, and already in I Hate Fairyland, you felt that there was this intimacy be- through the jokes between the two, and this is so much enhanced. And same thing with all the characters, and the the beats of the story work so well, both to strengthen the themes and to create this marvelous universe of the of the this fantastical middle west where with this um steampunk aesthetic almost as well as completely fantasy creatures and sometimes i think it's based on actual mythological beings from from the places but i'm not um documented on it enough to tell yet and there's one last thing about Middle West there's a song that is present in the book in issue 10 I think and I there are chords given and everything like there are lyrics as well as the chords and they don't give you any other indication they don't give you where how to play the chords or they don't give you a melodic line but just from that I kind of wrote uh, my version of the song how I heard it when I was reading the book I just left it open at the right page and picked up my guitar and tried to strum along and find a melodic line and I wanted to share this with you as a sort of gift in addition to to the rest to make it a little bit special this episode and so here it is close your eyes and drift away tell your dream It's alright You're the stars And the moon in the sky You're all that you ever should be
So, there you go, Bentley with Battle Creek, Les Traducteurs, uh, The White Boy Shuffle, and Middle West, my four cultural objects of 2020. Thank you for your infinite patience in listening to my ramblings during this hell of a year. See you in the next one.